Hey guys, welcome back to The Metal Intent, the show where we chat with your favorite producers, musicians, content creators, and we get behind that intent of their music journey and how it can help you. So I am happy to finally meet Andrew Vayner for the first time. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Nice to meet you too, man. Cool, man. Happy about that. Because um, I have watched your videos for a long time and we are... I think I completely share my audience with you. Everyone in my audience watches your videos. Yeah, probably. There's, I'm sure there's a bunch of crossover. The guitar, guitar YouTube is, is smaller than people think as well, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is true. Like we all have, I like to think that we all have the same audience because if you talk to a person of your audience, they're going to know what Nick was up to or yeah, what course. I was up to or all England is up to. And yeah. that's... Uh, in what people can think there is a limitation that the community is, is small, it's also our strength. I also think about that a lot because yeah, we're very tight-knit. That's epic. Cool, man. for sure. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> mainly, it all, that, this also happens that we share a lot of the same audience because you've been on here for a very, very long time. I know yeah. you have. I remember <laughs> seeing videos of yours. I've never looked at a video. I remember having this thought. That said, 10 years ago on the YouTube <laughs> thing. And it was actually oh, one man. of your videos. And I was like, damn, that is yeah, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, I forget how long it's been too. But yeah, there's definitely, I think, oh, fuck, I don't even know when I officially started. I just like to think it was 2010. I'm yeah. sure it was actually a little bit before that, but... Not by much. That's crazy. That's more than 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's man. Crazy. And what, what were those videos back then? It looked nothing like this. No, no, definitely yeah. not. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck, where, I, I mean, that would have been basically like right after high school for me. So okay. I'm, I'm a little older, I guess. I don't know how old you are. So I am not, 22. But... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think... Like I had been kind of making YouTube videos during high school, sort of, because it literally came out like in my last year of high school, which was like, you know, 2009 slash 10, maybe a little bit before that. Um, so really quick, funny story. The reason why if you look at my channel, like URL, it's Android one, not mm. Android is because I did used to have a YouTube channel without the one and it got banned oh, <laughs> because I, I was you know whatever even younger i would have been like 15 or 16 and nobody knew what youtube was so i used to just like upload songs i liked to the internet because oh, i was like i don't know i yeah. think this is what this is for and that was before <laughs> like copyright even existed on the internet right so when copyright got introduced of course that account got banned which makes complete sense i just i wasn't you know i didn't know what i was doing of course <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, then when I made the new channel, like I literally used to duct tape a rock band USB mic. You ever played rock band? Like I know what it is. Here? Okay. So I, I had that and I duct taped that to like a Line 6 Spider 2. Oh, and yeah. And that direct into my computer and oh, that's yeah. how I used to record. <laughs> Tone. That's crazy, um, man. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it's not awful, but I mean, at the time there was like no way to record i mean there was but like nobody knew anything about recording yeah. especially me um <laughs> so i guess yeah i was kind of messing around with like really really ghetto stuff like that and then i think for christmas in 2010 maybe 2011 i want to say my parents got me 
um, like one of those Pod Studio GXs, which was like oh, an interface that was like bean. this big. No, no, it was like just after that. It was like a little mm. black square, and it just had one input, one volume knob, and that's it. Oh. Um, so when I got that, that let me use Pod Farm, and I was like, oh, okay. Like now I kind of understand how to record. Yeah. And then I think I just kind of like learned from YouTube tutorials and. Basically, me making videos was really just me like learning how to record by doing covers of songs that I liked. Yeah. And that's pretty much all it was. Because again, back in whatever, 2010, like it was a super different world. Like, you know, the copyright was very loose. Monetization didn't even really exist at the time. So I wasn't doing it for any professional purposes. I was just doing it because I was like, hey, I, I like playing guitar and... Uh, recording is fun so this yeah. is me figuring it out i see um, man that's awesome because yeah. i have never talked to i mean i have but not about that topic someone that is doing youtube videos now and can't say a sentence like back then i didn't even know what youtube was for if, <laughs> if you think about that that's as og as it gets yeah <laughs> it's, it's definitely weird to think about um I was actually listening to your your podcast with Nick the other day. Oh, cool. Um, and it was funny because he was like kind of touching on that. I mean, he yeah. I think he said he started in like 2014. So that was a little later on. But he still also like kind of kind of remembered what it used to be like and how different it used to be. Yeah. So it's it's always so weird to think back on. And one thing you guys were talking about as well that I loved was like how how, you know, people take for granted like how much easier it is to record and make videos right now like dude when i was starting fuck that that was impossible (laughs) like there was no way you could make like any good looking video or any good sounding song um but i just did what i could because i was like hey i have like a hundred bucks and this is what i can afford so whatever ironically now if you have a hundred bucks you can probably make something that sounds really awesome yeah but Back then, it was like the cheapest interface, and you used like your flip phone camera. <laughs> yeah, man, that's cool, and it's still awesome that we preach this lesson basically every episode of the podcast is that you may do with what you had, and you yeah. just you just started and went it for it. You started mm-hmm. and went it. Good English. You just started and <laughs> went for it. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's great, yeah. man. I mean, this is the metal intent, and from what I can tell. At least in the beginning, your intent was just to play guitar and enjoy yourself. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just solely for the purpose of learning songs that I liked playing. It wasn't mm-hmm. again like monetization didn't even right. cross my mind because I was like, there literally is no money in YouTube at the time, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't even a thought to me. Um. And then if you fast forward a little bit, I think it was like 2012, maybe I released this like stupid video called how to get signed to rise records, Hmm. which is like a basically meme because at that time, you know, everyone knows what rise core is now. Um, (laughs) But at the time that like didn't really have like a, a, a phrase, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then I just made like a really quick like joke song about it. Uh, cause I thought it would be funny and that got like, I don't know, 400, 500,000 views, which back in 2012 was insane. Yeah, I was like, holy (laughs) shit, I didn't even know this was possible. Um, And of course, none of that was monetized because I didn't know what I was doing. So I made nothing off of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then that was like the first thing 
that had really gained like any kind of traction and mm. i was like oh my god like this is so cool like i'm getting all these comments people are watching my videos like wow this is crazy um and i remember i was like working at walmart at the time and i had like my you weren't like allowed to look at your phone at work hmm. and i had my phone in like my little fucking vest <laughs> yeah. pocket watching like, checking my comments. yeah <laughs> yeah and there wasn't even like a youtube app or anything like i had to like go on to the, the video and, yeah. like oh my god dude <laughs> wow it's so weird thinking about that now um, cool. but yeah, like that was like the first thing that made me be like, oh shit, like this is actually, you know, maybe this is more than just a hobby. Like yeah. maybe I can use this for, for something, you know, that's crazy. I, I had no idea that was the first video I have watched that video It's pretty fucking funny, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that that was like your first one that, that got picked up by YouTube and where you yourself realized that this is actually a vehicle where I can reach a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And I think like maybe at the time um, I had started my first band Galactic Pegasus and mm -hmm. um, you know, like I had kind of released, released like original songs on YouTube, but obviously they weren't getting any views because why would they? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then when I released that, then, you know, like the next video after I was like, oh, now my next videos are getting a little, a little more bit views. more. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so now when I release my next cover or song or whatever, I was like, oh, cool. Now, you know, I have some people that will actually check this out. And, you know, that's kind of like the, the, the beginning of starting to realize, like, oh, shit. OK, well, maybe if I don't just treat YouTube as a hobby, like maybe something can come of it. Right. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of what started me down this crazy, weird path I'm on now. That's cool, man. Just it's been 10 years of. The next video has a bit more views. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah, and then my next like I, I consider like a phase of my career, yeah, if yeah. you will. Um was like the Pop Goes Gent covers. Yeah. So I had like a big, you know, few years of doing that. Um and then the next yeah. time around, you know, I covered Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. And that got like 3 million views. And I was like, holy, holy shit. shit, like what the <laughs> fuck? I didn't even know this was possible. Um, and that time around, luckily, like we were able to put it on like Spotify or I guess Spotify didn't even exist at the time. <laughs> Weird to think Whoa. about. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like iTunes or whatever, we were able to put the cover on there. So like we actually did make a little money off of that. So that was the first time that I was like, oh, this video got views and we made money. Paid. So I was like, yeah. oh, interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, for a few years after that, like me and uh, Brian Storm was the vocalist name. We like kept doing the whole pop gent thing and made a bunch of covers and, you know, we made a decent amount of money. It wasn't like anything to live off of, but, you know, like I was stoked to make like a hundred bucks a month because I was like, yeah. whoa, that's super cool. Like, it was that's proof whatever. of something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like money to, you know, I would just basically use it to like money for save strings. Up. Yeah, <laughs> or save it to buy like a, a new guitar or whatever, right? Epic. Um, yeah, and then and then after that, like I kind of had a weird period where the pop gent thing was like going downhill and mm -hmm. I could see it like the views kept going down, down, down. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, the vocalist I was working with wasn't as interested in doing it anymore as he used to be which is totally fine yeah because it does get repetitive obviously and uh yeah then i kind of had this weird period of time where i just like didn't know what the fuck i 
was going to do. And yeah. the views kept going down. And I was like, oh, man, like, maybe this is it. Maybe, like, maybe <laughs> I, I don't know what else to do. And then yeah. I think I just did, like, a random, like, Oh, I was like, what if I play like a Metallica song on an eight string? Just oh, because yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then I did that and it like went like like hundreds of and thousands of like, views. There again. it is. I've seen and it. And I was before. like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and then of course, naturally I did the exact same thing where I just kept doing that over and over and over until the views kept going down and I was yeah. like, shit, okay, now this is done. <laughs> so I keep kind of having these phases of like, oh my god, I found something. And then it's like gradually like eh, yeah. interest declines, and then you find a new thing. For me, that's for whatever reason the way it's always been I see. um i'm like always super jealous of of other not jealous i should say but like uh like you know i admire youtubers who are able to find like some way that every single video always hits yeah. like i've never been able to figure that out and mm -hmm. i wish i could <laughs> yeah it's interesting and um it comes down to because you might have been through phases of different content <clears throat> And then you mm -hmm. probably have been through phases of different platforms because YouTube has been always there at the yeah. forefront. But then one starts to get like into Instagram, into TikTok. We could talk about TikTok because yeah, you've man. been oh having fun on TikTok. But for example, <laughs> like when you pick up your audience from YouTube and then you have an Instagram account, you do different stuff there. And it's on, mm -hmm. not only a relief for you as a creator that you get to do different stuff just like a simple photo or a, or a funnier shorter video but mm -hmm. you also reach your audience in a in a different context which is important i was touching on tiktok because if people don't know uh tiktok <laughs> is a platform where the way i always describe it so that people get it is there is a lot more attention on the platform than there's people creating content for it mm -hmm. it is still largely untapped and yes. all that attention um, gets a very easily narrowed down into few videos that get picked up by the algorithm when people really like them. And um, Andrew, out of everyone, has been touching the metal crowd that is on TikTok and been yeah. getting some amazing response, right? Yeah, dude, it's literally baffling. So just going off of what we were just talking about, I've been doing YouTube for like over 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, it's going good. I it consider is. myself a full-time YouTuber. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I can't complain. And on YouTube, I have, I think I'm at, like, 170K subs. And, you know, I, I get, like, whatever, 10 to 20 million views per year. So yeah. pretty good. Obviously, I'm not complaining. <laughs> but the funny thing is, on TikTok, I started this, I think, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And this the past 30 days alone i've had over 20 million views and that's yeah. stupid like i'm just like oh my god like it's so funny because i have this entire audience of people that probably don't even know i play guitar like they've probably never heard of me before you just scream for them yeah they think i'm a vocalist yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're like oh johnny's so much better at vocals than you and i'm like well yeah <laughs> he's our actual vocalist <laughs> That's um i would hope so but yeah no it's it's really really weird and like yeah i, ha I think i have like almost four hundred fifty thousand followers on tiktok like literally double my youtube and i was just like what is going on man yeah. like, this is crazy and on the one hand like i also heard you talk about this with nick which is very funny and i very much feel the same way where you know I, like it's almost like the the like artist ego in you is like, ah, oh, like I wish like it's almost like 
upsets me that I'm doing well there yeah. because I'm like, fuck, I spent all this time <laughs> doing this other thing and like not nearly as much effort on this thing. Like, why do people care so much more about this thing that I did as a joke or whatever? Right. And on the one hand, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a good thing, so I shouldn't feel that way. But it's just one of those weird artistic things where you always want people to like what you like, but that's yeah. not always the case. And that's yeah. just the way it is. It's true. And uh, one thing that you do good is that even if you feel that way, you don't let that stop you from just posting on TikTok. It no. is helping you get more reach. Yeah. There's, there's people that might get locked up in that where it's like, oh, this is not what I oh, want yeah. for my creation. You know them. I know yes, you know them. Yes. And um, we're here to reach people and we find a mm -hmm. platform that does it. We're going to milk it. We're, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting. Again, going back to the... I'm sorry, I keep referring to this Nick podcast. That's awesome. Podcast, Get but, people um, to listen, guys. Go back to episode <laughs> four. That's awesome. Yeah, sh fucking shout out to Nick, man. He's, Hell yeah. Uh, He's a my best. boy. He's a very smart guy. Uh, very talented. Absolutely. Love that guy. Um, oh, man. What was I saying, though? Oh, yeah. So just like kind of going back to what you guys were talking about, where it's like, you know, like we're we're fully aware, you know, that sometimes when we make these videos, it's like it's not necessarily like we think it's the greatest thing ever. Sometimes it is like, hey, this will get views. It's OK to just do it for views, in my opinion, at least, because I'm like, look, at the end of the day, my intent, as you would like to say, Next. is to, you know, get people to watch the things that I care about, too. Yep. Um, and, you know, I'm fully aware that it's way harder to get people to listen to, like, Carcosa, for example, because it's like an original deathcore band that's very, very specific and very niche. So it's way easier to get people to watch like whatever, a pop jam cover or like a stupid video of me and Johnny screaming, like mm -hmm. pickup lines, like whatever it might be. But like the, the hope is that we funnel those people back to the thing we actually care about. So yeah. that's the way that I've at least since I started doing this full time been been thinking about what I what I do, basically. Cool. I like that very much. That just sounds, again, like an intentful plan to what you yeah. want to get out of, of your reach, man. That's cool. You use that, that content to drive people into your original music. And even if people want to just stick to the content, that's also yeah. fine by you. You will For also sure, yeah. be getting paid and be touching people with your music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait till TikTok monetization comes to Canada, mind you. But right. until then, whatever. That's interesting. Like, does it already exist directly with ads there? It does, but only in like the US, the UK mm -hmm. and like France or something like some really weird. I mean, the US, like, sure, I get that. But yeah, yeah it's, it's only in like two or three countries for some I reason. Um, yeah. But hopefully Canada sometime yeah. soon. That's, that's going to be useful. But you're already reaping but, the rewards in yeah, terms of it's reach. totally worth it yeah it probably translates over to your youtube your instagram and yeah. uh, you've definitely got carcosa listeners off of tiktok oh, i yeah. bet yeah. you <laughs> it's very funny i'm very happy you said that because this might sound very arrogant of me no, but do it one of my favorite things is proving people wrong <laughs> go do it um and you know Speaking of, you you just mentioned this as well, where, you know, we all know people are like, why would you post on TikTok? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, sure, yes, okay, there's some cringy stuff there. But number one, 
there's lots of cringy shit on YouTube as well. Oh, so boy. <laughs> get over yourself. That's right. Because it's the same on every platform. It's just everyone hates on whatever the new thing is, right? Fine. I get it. But number two, lots of people, when I started, you know, posting on like Facebook, let's say like, oh shit, my video got 2 million views on Instagram, or sorry, TikTok. Yeah. That's so cool. And I was like excited because I was like, that's just really cool. And of course, all these, you know, people come out of the woodworks being like, oh, well, it doesn't actually mean anything or it doesn't matter. TikTok views are shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, well then how come... You know, we I can literally look at the Carcosa analytics and our, we have like a spike in streams from the exact day that TikTok, the TikTok went viral. Was posted, yeah. And that spike is honestly bigger than sometimes when we release a brand new song. So I was like, you can't tell me that this doesn't matter, man. Like, I literally yeah. like the numbers don't lie, bro. <laughs> That's right. That's great. I'm um, very happy to hear that, that you can literally see the impact. That is very yeah. good. And, uh, you know. It's, I don't know, I, I understand that might sound a little arrogant, but... At all, I get you. It's also true, and, you know, I'm sure you get it too, like, you know, if you get, you know, negative comments, and you are able to prove them wrong, it feels good, I'm not gonna lie. It does, <laughs> yeah, and you, you can even flip it into, I'm just trying to help you, bro. If you guys yeah. want to try posting on TikTok, see for yourselves. <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, anytime anyone genuinely says they don't want to do it because xyz like i always just tell them like hey like you know it's really not like it's no skin off my back like you're only screwing yourself over like yeah the way that i started my tiktok was i literally just re-uploaded my exact youtube video to tiktok, to TikTok. i was like this takes me 30 extra seconds of work out of my day like there's no downside here so like why would i not do it and sure enough just by doing that one little simple thing every couple days, I now have an entirely different audience that has no idea who I am and has never seen me play guitar, probably. And then it's like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't know any of these people existed either. I assumed, like, if anyone knew me, it would be because guitar on YouTube. But now that's certainly not the case. And I'm just like, wow, this is like completely changed my perspective on like really everything because i i don't know i'm just very surprised by it all like just as surprised as i'm sure lots of other people are yeah of course and um <clears throat> interestingly after just these 15 or 20 minutes talking to you i can see there is something not surprising to it there is a pattern where, where the way you described youtube is that you were early to it mm. what are you to tiktok you're early to tiktok yeah, I guess it's, so. <laughs> you, I guess you. I guess you are a pioneer. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like the best word to describe it is pioneer. At the end of the day, you were on YouTube before people even understood what it was. Even mm. if you don't give yourself credit for that, because you also didn't. But now, after ten years of content creation and uh, understanding social media and uh, these platforms, you actually go into TikTok. And I believe that it is only natural that you see the you see the results because you do understand, even if just subconsciously, what it is to be early on a platform. And it, it yeah. pays off. It pays off. There's two kinds or three kinds of people. There's the people that do amazing content that's too good not to watch. 
And there's just the people that were early to the platform, so you had to watch them. And then there's <laughs> yes. both, which I think you are both. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> which is the yeah. I thought you I, you thought you were about to get this right here. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, that's oh, an interesting way to put that. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounded really bad. I should have gone the other way around. <laughs> no, it's all good. That's I, I funny. You. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I I guess you're right. That definitely sounds a little more glamorous than I think of it in my own right. mind, which I, I really appreciate. That's very, very nice all. of you. Yeah. I think the audience um, will agree. Yeah, well, that's that's nice to hear. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Of, so you, um, we were talking about um, bringing the TikTok listeners and the YouTube viewers to your music, to Carcosa, yeah. and what was formerly Galactic Pegasus. <laughs> yes. what, what is the story behind that? Are you guys local friends? I'm always curious. Um, it's actually really funny again, cause everything fucking goes back to YouTube for me, mm -hmm. man. Um, so again, with like the whole way I started out was, um, you know, I was doing stuff by myself on YouTube mostly because like, I didn't really have local friends who were interested in the same music that I was. I feel Or you. if I did, they, they didn't play instruments or whatever the case might've been. I, I don't really remember. Um, so I was just kind of like, Hey, well, you know, that's the way it is. So I guess I'll just learn how to do it myself. Yeah. Um, so that's when I, that's basically the reason I was forced to learn like how to program drums, how to record, how to do, how to write guitar pro, like whatever the case might be. Right. Cause I was like, I still want to be able to do something with my ideas. And if I can't find people to do it, then I guess I'll just do it myself. Um, so yeah, so again, I was just kind of posting my like original songs to YouTube here and there. And that's actually how I ended up meeting people around the area who had seen those videos and been like, hey, you're that guy from YouTube, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, like when I went to like local bands shows. And then I basically ended up talking to people locally that way who then expressed interest and be like, hey, if you ever want to be a band like i would love to you know play your music with you and i was like oh interesting like i never even thought of being a band at yeah. that point i was just like i guess i'm a solo artist i don't know um and then i actually had a a local promoter like you know someone who puts on shows ask me if i wanted to open a, a show and i was like hmm <laughs> how though like am i just gonna fucking stand on guitar stand on stage with a guitar by myself like that's gonna be super weird um, and that was kind of the reason why I was like, oh, I mean, that would be a lot of fun and I would love to do that. So I guess I should find people to play with me. And, uh, you know, we did our first show. It was probably awful, but at the time it was a lot of fun. And of I was course. like, wow, that was a really cool feeling I've never experienced before. Cause you know, it's very, I don't know if anyone who hasn't played a show, like it's, it's such a different experience. Um, if, at least when the shows go well, <laughs> yeah. when, <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know. There's something just so weird about standing on stage and like visually seeing people react to what you're doing. It's really not explainable and it feels very fucking cool. Um, so I did that and I was like, OK, th that was sick. I definitely want to do that more. And then that's kind of how uh, my first band, Galactic Pegasus, started was it was kind of like a weird kind of solo project that became a, a band. band. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what happened there. Um, and then, like, over the years, we went through, like, a bunch of different members because, again, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing either. It was yeah. my first band. So, you know, we 
had members we didn't get along with or musical differences or whatever the case might have been. Um, so over the years, I think like literally every single EP or album that we did has a different vocalist and, you know, it was just not ideal, let's say. Um, and then kind of, you know, fast forward to near the end of GP's career is kind of when Johnny joined the band and he originally was our bassist, which is hilarious to think about because Mm. it was such like a waste of talent. Wow. Um, not that he's bad at bass. He's obviously, he's amazing at bass too, but yeah. like, I just mean, he's such a good vocalist. Vocals. We were just like, how the fuck did we not see have him on there from the beginning? Yeah. But anyways, um, so the last like EP we did with Galactic Pegasus was the first one with Johnny on vocals. And if you listen to that and compare it to like our previous music, it's obviously like way different. Like it's way heavier. And you know, that was kind of the first time that the four of us, we're like, oh, like this is what we've been looking for this entire time. Mm. Like this is how we want it to sound, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we did like a few years of GP with that lineup. And then it kind of got to the point where we weren't really seeing progress anymore um, for various reasons, a lot of which were our own fault because again, we didn't know what we were doing. It was our first band. Um, one of those factors I'm sure is that every single thing had a different vocalist and different members and it was very inconsistent in sound and Hey, that's fine. Like we were, we were figuring it out as we went. Right. Um, but yeah, basically once we kind of found like quote unquote that sound with GP, we were like, okay, well, why are we even holding on to this name? Like it's not even the same band. It's none of the same members that started the band other than me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound remotely the same, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, why don't we just start a new band using all of the terrible mistakes we've made in GP and avoiding those um, and just start from scratch and see what happens? Because at that point, like, we didn't really feel like anything was happening with GP anyways. So we were just like, why are we spending all this effort on this thing that, like, it doesn't really seem like that many people care about? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the big reason why we decided to end galactic and start carcosa from scratch Mm -hmm. so it is the same four members who did the last you know ep of of uh galactic yeah but we wanted to make sure it was a very clear cut like this is not a rebrand it's not like the same band changing its name like it is for all intents and purposes a brand new band the only thing is it's the same members that's it like we're not playing any gp songs ever yeah no like it's it's brand new music different style like we wanted to make sure that the music sounded way different like if you listen to carcosa and gp like they do not sound the same in my opinion at least yeah um yeah and that's that's kind of the short version of of what was going on there no that was that was pretty thorough (laughs) sorry i tend to ramble a bit (laughs) not thorough not thorough as in long like in proper Mm. i completely understand everything that went by and resonate with a lot Especially the part where you YouTube is what helped you find the community around you. That's how yeah. I'm feeling too with my channel. I am now finding the musicians in Portugal that care about this mm-hmm. genre. And uh, it's it's awesome that you get to unite the correct people, even if it's after years of trying, apparently. <laughs> yeah. you know, that you get to find them because of your content and the internet. And when it comes to Carcosa, it's cool because I very much enjoy your sound, like your heavy, heavy sound. And it's interesting that you say that. So Galactic Pegasus, even if it was the same members, did not sound like this. This is your new venture in sound. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I pr- maybe some people might think they sound similar. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm probably biased and way right. too close to it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. for me like I think it does not really sound the same at all. Um another big thing that was something we didn't really like that we were doing in in GP that we just like couldn't break out of was we basically like we have three main songwriters, so it's me, Johnny and Cooper, right? Yeah. Um, and it was the same way in Galactic, but the thing that was happening in Galactic was like, if now that I tell you this, if you listen to the old stuff, you'll know exactly what I mean. But it was either I wrote a song, Cooper wrote a song, or Johnny mm. wrote a song. It was never collaborative. Yeah. It was one of us wrote a thing, and we were like, that's the song, and that's the way it is. I see. Um, and with Carcosa, we consciously are, for the most part, making an effort to be like, okay, like, let's try and make sure like it doesn't have to be like an even split like 33 percent each or whatever but like at least let's all have input on it and and you know have like a common vision of what we want to sound like in mind Mm -hmm. and even if you know like there has been some songs that ended up being written entirely by johnny or cooper and i just had no part in it but to me i didn't i don't mind anymore because i'm like well this sounds like carcosa like this doesn't sound like a johnny song or yeah. a cooper song it sounds like this is what carcosa, carcosa sounds like um and so for me like if i write a riff sometimes i write a riff and i show it to the guys and they're like no this sounds you know like like yeah. gent or whatever like not deathcore because like i i still listen to both genres a lot obviously and some of my riffs don't fit and vice versa. Sometimes Johnny will write a song and I'll be like, this sounds like, you know, a 2001 deathcore song, not a modern deathcore. You know what I mean? And it's it's all good. But we, we have like more of a cohesive vision of what we want to sound like before we even good. begin the writing process. I think that's very good. And when you add that with trying to get everyone on board in every song, even if it's just one little bit. I think you yeah. get a, you get a great combination, even if it's just for you guys to feel more attached to your music, because everyone is is in it. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there again, there have been some songs that have been written entirely by of Johnny course. and Cooper, but at the same time, like I guess, like to a little extent, like sure, like sometimes my ego is like, oh fuck, like I wish it always is. I had something. But at the end of the day, I can listen to the song and be like. To be completely honest with you, there's nothing I would change about this anyway uh-huh. because it sounds fucking sick. But you and only like feel we, that when it's out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, again, that has a lot to do with us. We are very much more aware of how, like, how each member is going to react to something, yeah. I guess you could say. Like, if I write something, I know, usually I know beforehand, I'm like, oh, Johnny's going to fucking love this part. Whereas before I was like, <laughs> this is the only thing I wrote this month. Hopefully you like it. I don't know, right? Yeah. Um yeah, and like sure, yeah, like it would be nice if it was I guess like a a totally even split across the board, but that's just not that's not mm-hmm. going to happen and that that's fine. Yeah. Cuz I don't want to stifle their creativity either cuz sometimes Absolutely. Johnny comes up with crazy fucking ideas and I'm just like yeah okay yeah let's just go with it it sounds great um and sometimes he comes up with things that are way too fucking hard and i was like hey man you don't have to play guitar on this and right. i do <laughs> and i cannot play that so i'm i like your idea but we're gonna change those like 64th triplet notes to like to chugs 16th you yeah know? like 
just little, like you know things like that and it, cool. it, it's funny but it all works out yeah that's great i see a, i see a pattern with what we talked about before where for the, for the good of the of the final product whatever it is you can put your ego to the side we, you yeah. we're talking about that with different with platforms TikTok. <laughs> like tiktok exactly yeah. and just doing what's best for the outcome you have an intent and you do what's going to get you the outcome and also with in what i would argue is way harder which is collaborating with other people because yeah it's easy easier to argue with your own ego because when it's about posting it's a decision that you do and it's your content here mm. you're you're handling four people's opinions mm. it's definitely definitely just harder at least in my experience yeah for sure and i mean again like it's not i'm certainly not saying it's it's easy it's it's definitely right. not and you know again we went through i think we fuck man i'm pretty sure we have uh, in galactic like i i think we had like six or seven ex-members like more yeah. than a full band's worth of of people yeah, who didn't member, work yeah. out and like that sucked but you know sometimes unfortunately like you just get to the point where you're like okay like we can't make any progress because like let's say like us three want this and you want this so even if the three of us get our way you're not going to be happy anyways and you're yeah. not going to want to do it so therefore like the end product is not going to be as good so yeah, yeah it's definitely it's that's probably the hardest thing is finding the right people mm -hmm. uh and like, man, I feel for anyone who's looking to start a band, like, dude, it's very fucking hard. Yeah. Um, thankfully, the internet is there. And in that way, it kind of makes things easier. But yeah. I guess, you know, you and I can both speak to this as well, because I know you do a lot of stuff with um, Robin and he lives in a different country than you, right? In France. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it was the same with me when I used to do like the pop chant covers with my friend Brian Storm. Like I live, you know, in Canada and he lives in America. So it was like, yeah that sucks because it's like sometimes you know i think i'm like hey if we both lived here maybe we would have just done a band together but oh well it's still nice to at least be able to have the internet to make those bigger connections and maybe you you know you can't be in a band with that person but you can at least do other collaborations to fulfill that exactly you know yeah and the future like this is, we are living in the future which is is less and less banned it's more and mm -hmm. more collaborations yeah. that, that can happen from a distance on the internet. There's Yeah, I mean, like Nick and Andy, right? Like, that's another great example. They barely get together. Mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. And Andy and Monuments, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're over exactly. here. <laughs> yeah, well, there's actually, it was, it was fascinating to me to learn that a lot of my favorite bands, like, they don't live anywhere near each other and i was just like how what like how the what the fuck like I, I just never when i was younger before bands were as open as they are now on the internet yeah like you didn't know anything man like i didn't know shit i was right. just like yeah i guess they all live in california and practice every day i don't know yeah um but it's like no actually you know this drummer only joined in 2008 and he lives in fucking Florida, but he flies to California for a week and then they practice and blah, blah, blah. And like all these like inner workings of the industry that just nobody knew about back in the day because nobody talked about it. Um, and now it's like common knowledge, which I'm just like, that's crazy because I never would have guessed back in the day, you know? Yeah. And you, 
you never would have guessed. And then you lived it for like 10 years trying, yeah. to, <laughs> trying to make one happen. That's cool, yeah. man. That's, that's a great story. There's a lot of teachings in your, in your journey with um, turning basically YouTube into a band that you're, I hope, very happy and fulfilled with in Carcosa right now. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been uh, quite, <laughs> I hate saying this because it, but like shocking in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that way about a lot of things that happened to me, even though on the one hand, I'm like, I mean, I'm the one responsible for this at the end of the day, but I'm just like always surprised when things actually work out. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a self-confidence issue. I don't really know why. Um, but yeah, like every time I look at Carcosa's whatever statistics, or even like we have a Facebook fan group, and like people are just in that group talking about our My band. Bad. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Like I yeah. never would have thought that that would happen. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's super cool. Like, again, I, I try yeah. to remind myself of how I felt when I was whatever, 17, 18, when I started in 2010. And I was just like, dude, <laughs> like I never would have expected any of this. Like if I could go back in time and tell my teenager self, like, he, Hey, he you wouldn't know, have believed <laughs> like no fucking way right so yeah, yeah i try and i try and keep that in mind anytime i am feeling like feeling down whatever upset or or whatever right and cool, then i'm just man. like damn <laughs> that's beautiful yeah even if it was all at the end of the day very intentional cool yeah one thing it's hard it's hard to see it that way though right it always is <laughs> when you're starting out especially as early in life as you did so there's one thing i would i liked about this sounds so dumb. I like one thing about you. Um, uh, you're green. Andrew Rain is green. And, um, It'll change to green in like two seconds. Here, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, purple. Okay. If people are watching oh, on purple. And listening now, in on Spotify, you're missing out on the fun green. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I'm green too, by the way, if people yeah, don't see it. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Did you do I that am. just for this podcast? Yes, sir. I usually Fuck. do blue and red. <laughs> My man. I thought, I'm so. always I thought there. something was looking yeah, different. You knew. You knew it. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> branding. Important. Yeah. Branding is super important. And um, <laughs> what's the story of green, Andrew? Something about after the burial, if I, if I get that correctly. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, the reason that I got into eight string guitar in the first place was because of a band called After the Burial. I'm sure mm. most people know who they are. Yeah. Um, but if you somehow don't, fucking definitely go listen to them because they're awesome. Um, but yeah, they were the first band I ever heard using an eight string guitar. So I think the first song I heard was Berserker. I'm not sure if you're Hell familiar with that yes. song. Okay. So I heard that when I was shit, man, whenever it came out. So that would have probably been damn i think that's a way nine or something 2008 maybe uh, yeah so i would have still been in high school and i heard that like like that shit and i was like what the fuck is that like and this was before th this is how old i am that was before gen existed like nobody yep. knew what that was right um i was just like that sounds fucking cool how do i do that yeah like, how did they do that and then I found out they use eight string guitars and I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know that existed. And then I watched, you know, whatever, a music video or something. And, you know, one guy has a neon orange and one guy has a neon green. And I was mm. like, that's fucking so sick, sick looking. Um, and then for whatever reason, the green one was the one I liked more. And, you know, I consider Justin Lowe to be probably like my favorite guitarist mm -hmm. of all time. Rest in peace. Um, and, you know, uh, 
just the fact that when I started playing eight string, there was almost no bands that were using eight strings at the time. You know, I watched a lot of After the Burial videos, and I always just loved how his green guitar looked. And I don't know, I just like my original videos. If you go back, like they're actually just like the 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 cheaper like you know Ibanez whatever seven and eight strings. But I would like take them apart and like spray paint the hardware and shit to make them like green. Yeah, it obviously looked like shit. But at the time, <laughs> I didn't have money to to get anything that looks uh, you know more professional. Yeah. So I was just doing stuff like that, and I don't know for whatever reason, like I just always really loved how his guitars looked. And then as time went on, I started you know making a little money, getting endorsements and stuff like that, and I was able to start getting you know custom guitars like. I don't have it with me here, but like my first full custom was from Fast Guitars, and he basically was like, "Do whatever you want," and I was like, "Oh my no god, no way!" Okay. Um, so I remember he. It was actually really funny because I told him I was like, "Yeah, I want it to be green," and he actually tried to convince me, like, "Oh, are you sure about that?" Because I picked mm. like um, uh, it has like a spalted maple top, which is like a beautiful looking yeah, wood. Yeah. And, I, you know, he's a, he's a guitar maker, right? So he is like, ah, oh, like, why would you cover up this beautiful wood with a color? He wanted it to be like a stain, like a natural stain. Uh, I and see. I was just like, nah, dude. It's gotta be. Like, it's gotta be green. It's gotta be green. And I don't know. I remember that being like a thing on Facebook where like some people were like, oh, like, why would you, why would you pick green kind of thing? And I was mm-hmm. just like, fuck you guys, man. I think it looks sweet. Yeah. And then it was like, that's another thing about me is like, I kind of said earlier, I, I like proving him wrong. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm like that. It might be some weird thing from childhood. I don't know, but it almost like made me want to do it even more. Yes. <laughs> I feel you. Um, and then, you know, then everything after that guitar, uh, you know, like I had the Kiesel Vader and I was like fucking, just green pure green nothing else and so on and so forth and i kept just like adding green like whenever i possibly could and then i noticed on you know youtube comments you know people started saying like oh like how come it's always green how come it's always green like oh this guy must really like green i wonder what this guy's favorite color is blah 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 blah. yeah and you know some people might see that and be like oh maybe i'm doing it too much but you're like i'm doing it right yeah and i was just like I thought of it and like, you know, from a, from a marketing perspective, I guess I was just like, well, I mean, it just seemed obvious. I was like, Hey, anytime any guitar company releases a green guitar, like I'm getting tagged I'm in getting those tagged. comments. Yeah. And I was just like, huh, that's interesting. So I just kept <laughs> doing it more and more and more. And now, yeah, like anytime anything green gets released, like, dude, sometimes it's not even guitar stuff. Like yesterday, somebody tagged me cause like Xbox released like a neon green controller, <laughs> like whatever. Right. Um, and I actually bought it by the way, cause it's fucking sick, but, um, <laughs> Great. uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just like one of those things where I realized like, Hey, like, you know, branding doesn't need to be this crazy, uh, you know, big, scary task. Yeah, it could like, be I, as simple I as I a just, color. Yeah. And it's like, it, it just made my life in a way easier. Cause I was like, you know, as you know, like thumbnails on YouTube are like super important. Yeah. And I realized, I'm like, oh, okay, like, hey, now, you know, if you're look, scrolling through a, a sea of thumbnails and you see a green guitar, I'm like, my there hope is. is you'll probably think it's me. Or if it's not a green guitar, I always use green text. It's like always one or the other, right? There's always something that's green. And I'm just like, it's like a tiny little thing. It's very easy to do. And it just, like, helps give you that, like, t- little extra edge um, that just makes you 
or me, I guess, yeah. a little more recognizable. recognizable. Like, yeah, that's I don't know. Cool. I, I would say it's it's worked. I I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I agree. Everyone in the audience needs to agree and needs to think <laughs> what and needs to think what is their what is their thing. What is their green? Mm-hmm. It's, it's important. I, I, I like talking about this too because again, like it's it's not that difficult of a thing right like it's it's just a color like it's not like i made it up or anything like yeah it's i just picked a color i liked and just was like that's my thing and sometimes you know maybe it's a bit of luck i'm sure but you know if you're able to make even like a little something like that work for you it's it's you know just anything you can do to help be memorable is is good yeah and in my case like you know I'm not like a crazy shredder, like I'm not, you know, fucking Herman Lee or something, just playing like through the fire and flames and killing it. So I'm like, well, I'm playing like breakdowns and there's lots of people that play breakdowns. So like, how else am I going to stand out? Right. Yeah. Even if it is a color, but that's, that's just very smart. I mean, the comments that you get, you say about the green, it's interesting. I get them about my burns. Oh yeah. So like my, my tech wear burns as I like (laughs) to call them. And uh, when people say stuff about it, even if they're mean, there's been some fucking mean ones about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's working because they're looking. Yeah. And the, exactly. the image is getting ingrained. And we have that, like, Rabia has an afro. Mm-hmm. He, he's just the fro. I bet he's thought about, I wish I could cut this to be comfortable, but there's branding yeah. on it, for example. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, if you, if you think about it, and then rewatch some of your favorite content creators. Like I would venture to guess that probably every single one has at least one, one thing. identifiable uh, identifiable thing. Probably more than one, honestly, but at least one. Yeah, it can know. even be just the instrument. I mean, both of us have the JM Evertune game. Hell yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, jazz masters for life. Shout out, yeah, man. Guitar is pretty cool, man. Yeah. So we um, can we can talk guitar. Which is yeah, also sure. a fun topic. I bet a lot of people listening to this like guitar. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I would guess. <laughs> no, Let's... no. They all just know me from TikTok now. So oh, yeah, you, you know, scream. Yeah, let's talk about fries. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I mean... Let's, please, I'd rather, rather talk about guitar. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. So here's a good question to start things out. Right now, at the point where you are in your guitar life, what's your favorite? Six, seven, eight, nine. What is your favorite? Oh, uh, man. At this point. Probably. Probably the eight, just because hmm. of Carcosa, like our default tuning uh, yeah. is drop E. Okay. So it, we just, that's what I've been writing the most on. Um, it's always a toss up though. It's always seven or eight. Hmm. It's never six oh, okay. <laughs> for me. Uh, interesting. Um, so you, you yeah. would never default to six. Never. Hmm. If, usually if I'm writing a riff, honestly, I would say I, I probably will write it in drop A. That's like my, my baseline of... <laughs> I don't know why. That's just like what I've always written on. And then mm-hmm. like sometimes I'll write a riff in drop A and be like, oh, this actually sounds like it could work with Carcosa. And then I'll just play the exact same thing, but on, on drop an eight B. and be like, yeah, that yeah, works that's even better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cool. But yeah, for whatever reason, like seven and eight is always my go-to. I see. How has that evolved with the times? Because you didn't start at eight. No, no. Um, yeah. It's actually really funny that Carcosa exists now because the original reason I got into extended range guitars was because of deathcore, not because of Gent. Because again, I'm old and Gent didn't exist when I was starting <laughs> kid, to play guitar. Yeah. 
Um, so the first bands that I heard playing seven strings were, you know, in new metal with Corn, mm-hmm. um, and then I started listening to Deathcore when I was like whatever seventeen or something, which would have been like the early Suicide Silence and Whitechapel albums, um, mm-hmm. and. Again, kind of same thing with After the Burial, where the first time I heard Suicide Silence in Whitechapel, it was mostly the vocals, but I was just like, holy fuck, like, how does a human make that noise with their mouth? Yeah. And obviously, at the time, I couldn't scream, so I was like, I'm not even going to attempt that. But I was like, I mean, the instrumentals are also sick. And then, you know, I was looking at whatever, guitar tabs or something, and it was like, drop A. And I was like, what the fuck is drop A? Right. Like, how do you how do you do that? And then I looked into it and I was like, oh, they play a seven string? Like, what's a seven string? That's crazy. I didn't even know that existed. And um, I think the original reason I started playing extended range was mostly because, again, at the time I wasn't even writing my own music. I just wanted to learn other people's songs. So I wanted to start learning deathcore songs. And I was like, well, I mean, the drop A song sounds sick and that's what I want to play. So I found... uh, you know, literally the only seven string I could find in my entire area was at like a local music store because they were super rare back in the day. Yeah. This would have been again 2010 or 2009. There just so happened to be a store near me that had one seven string in stock. And I just bought that exact one because I was like, I don't know. And at the time, I didn't know anything about guitars. Yeah. I was like, it has an extra string. That's, That's what I my need. only requirement. Yeah. Um, which would have been like the Ibanez, whatever, RG seven like the first one right um and uh yeah that's that's why i started with extended range guitars um in drop a specifically and then you know of course this is how it always seemed to work for me too is i remember like before i had the seven string another band ironically is trivium who used Mm -hmm. seven strings which is not deathcore at all but um I remember I really loved them and I only had six strings and I was wanting to learn, I think it was like down from the sky or something like that. Like one of their older songs and it was like B standard. And I was like, fuck, I can't play that because I don't have the extra string Yeah, and so on and so forth. And then I got the seven string and I was like, Oh sick. Like this is exactly what I want. And then of course I find out about after the burial and I'm like, Whoa, that's crazy. That's super low. How do I do that? And then like they use eight strings and I was like, fuck. Um, (laughs) So then, you know, I saved up for, however long I needed to save up at the time. And then I had a friend who had an eight string and he bought it because he liked Mashuga and mm-hmm. he didn't actually use it. He learned like a Mashuga song and was like, yeah, okay. Like this is cool, but I don't, he didn't think it was like a practical or useful. Yeah. So he wanted to sell it. So that was the RGA eight, uh, which was also one of the first production eight strings and I bought that like used off of him for like whatever, like 400 bucks or something. And those were my first seven and eight strings. So it was mostly, again, at the time, it wasn't for the purpose of writing original music. It was for the purpose of I just really loved, you know, specific bands that had very, at the time, niche gear. And I was yeah. like, the only way I can make that sound is by getting those instruments. Um, of course, now it's super easy to get seven and eight strings. But back then it was like, dude, it was very, very fucking hard to find. Yeah, of course. Cool, man. I see that makes a lot of sense. And what about your venture into nine? (laughs) Well, that was mostly honestly just because that, that came a bit later because that was well into like doing YouTube at that point. Yeah. And at that time, again, this would have been like 2014, let's say. And 
people were already commenting on my videos because I was using an eight string. And oh. at that time they were, the eight string was still like a weird thing. Most people right. didn't know about, which is weird. Cause it wasn't even that long ago, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of people probably saw an eight string for the first time in like my Miley Cyrus which cover. Is, like, which is crazy. Especially for, yeah. But especially for something like that, right? Like they've never, probably never even heard of Jen. Like they're just like searched wrecking ball and they found this video and this dude's playing an eight string guitar and they're like, what the fuck is that? Right. Um, so I was already getting like a bunch of comments about the eight string because it was just like a, a slightly weird thing at the time. But then, of course, as time went on, everyone got an eight string. So I was like, oh, okay, it's not as, you know, it's not, doesn't, Mm -hmm. the wow factor is gone. And then nine string guitars came out and I was like, well, fucking obviously, you know. If anyone is, it's going to be me to try that out. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, I mean, I I did think it was kind of a a bit of a meme at first. Because I was like. It was just for the sake of going lower stupidly low and really to be quite honest with you the only reason i actually ended up buying one the first one i had which was ironically again an ibanez because a local shop happened to have one (laughs) and i literally had um it was one of like the squire whatever like some random squire six string i had and it was just sitting around and i wasn't using it so i went to like trade it into the store because i was like whatever i'll get like a couple hundred bucks and i traded it in and they had the nine string there and the nine string was like $300. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, yo, first of all, why do you have that? Because that is not <laughs> something that any store around here has. Yeah. And the guy who was working there, who ironically was the same guy who sold me my eight string. Wow. He was saying that he was we were expecting guy. you to come in and to come in. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he was just funny. like, uh, that would have been hilarious. But no, he was just like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this guy, you know, had bought this nine string, but he, for whatever reason, had financial issues and he just like needed to sell it immediately. So rather than trying to sell it on like, you know, Craigslist or Facebook or whatever, he just like brought it in because he was like, I need cash right now, which sucks for that guy, obviously. But, and then the, the store, since, you know, the store is called Long and McQuaid, it's a little more traditional. Like it's mostly like Gibson and Fender stuff. So they priced it like super low because they're like, nobody is going to buy a buy fucking this, yeah. nine string. And of course I came in and I was like, that is like amazing. And it's such a low price. I was like, oh, obviously I'm going to buy that. Um, so that's why I got it originally. And then, you know, sure enough, obviously I used that to make YouTube videos because that was the whole point in the beginning was I was like, whatever, I'll just buy it, make a few videos. And if I don't like it, I'll just sell it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, especially because I got it for so cheap. I was like, who cares? I can definitely sell it for more than $300 if I want to. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, that was, I think, around the time when I was making the, like, tuned down videos as well. So I was like, oh, well, I can do even more tuned down videos. Um, And that's pretty much what I did. And then I had a few different nine strings over the next, like, year or two. Like, I think I had, like, every production nine string that was available at some point in time, uh, which were, like, the Ibanez and the Schecter's. And then I got my custom one from Fast Guitars, and I was like, all right, well, I'm done with 9-string now. Like, I never need anything else. Um, I still don't really use the 9-string that much, to be completely honest. Like, it's still quite difficult to play, in my opinion. Um, Johnny is is way better than me at writing with it. He actually, ironically, borrowed it this week to write something, apparently. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard it yet. So we'll see what that is. (laughs) but yeah, mostly like it was just for the sole purpose of tuning low, making boomers angry and making tuned down videos. And that was yeah. basically it. That's yeah. cool, man. You got you got great use out of 
out of your nine string (laughs) adventure (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean the the one that i still have which is the fast i will never get rid of because it's such a sick guitar and like yeah even though yeah i might not use it as much as i would like it's 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 a keeper for sure yeah imagine you want to do overdubs with on even a lower lower uh tuning you do not have to pitch down with a pitch shifter you have an eye string exactly i would have it just for that so imagine i want to do octave overdubs of my seven i Mm -hmm. I have a nine string how cool is that (laughs) yeah and it's still nine string is still that like that um what's the word like the the precipice like still still fucking weird but like it's not kind of socially acceptable now yeah yeah, the ten string was like, oh my god, I had that for a while. Um, shout out to Said Too Much Productions. Yeah, his channel's awesome. Um, but yeah, he sent me his ten string just to make videos with, and like, I had that thing for like a year, and I I literally couldn't come up with a single original riff on it because I was like, this is, I don't know what to do with this. Like That's that crazy. that was my point of being like, this is too much, which I didn't think I would ever hit. But <laughs> right, that was, that was it for me. Yeah, it's crazy because even nine because there's something to be said about just the neck being too big which is one and the notes being too low there are two two factors where it becomes too much Mm -hmm. and uh, i'd argue that something like the c sharp or a nine string or even drop b of the nine Mm -hmm. string sounds pretty cool but instead of having a nine string neck you could have it on like a super baritone seven for example and there it makes more sense because you have the ridiculous ridiculous lows but you don't have something that is a fucking baseball (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely gets quite difficult especially like that first fret is just like fuck it's hard and when they're fanned which they usually are (laughs) yeah um yeah and again it's funny talking about baritones because like Again, when I started playing extended range, like I didn't know what a baritone you was. You didn't know what scale length was. It was all I had more no strings. Idea. Yeah. yeah, and like at the time, n- nobody really knew yeah. because it was still like a new thing. So you know that's why like all the original. I mean, I think Ivan still does this, but a lot of the original seven strings were just literally they just added a string. Like there was no difference in scale length. Yeah. Um, which at the time I was I wouldn't have known any better i was like yeah i mean it's a thicker string therefore it's lower that's all you need i guess um but of course now you know we all know better or most of us know better um yeah and it's funny because i i do get a lot of comments from people being like well why do you you know why why use an eight if you could use a baritone or whatever and i agree with you like there really isn't there really is no reason for me to use an eight string in almost 99 percent of circumstances because I don't, I use like four strings. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not, I have no illusions. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't use the top four almost ever, but I've also been using an eight string since I was like 19 years old. So to me, it's it doesn't true. feel, it doesn't feel weird. It actually feels weirder to use a, a baritone six. guitar yeah, yeah. because I'm not used to it. Right. Cause to me, like having that tiny little six string neck feels fucking weird. Cause I just never, I almost never play six strings. Right. Yeah. Cool. And um, also, to be honest, the other thing is, I don't really write using the high strings, but Johnny definitely does. Okay. And sometimes he writes stuff for Carcosa where I'm like, well, I guess I'm, I need those strings after all. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool. It gives you the option to, to play a lead, to play a, yeah. to play a tremolo part with some reverb. Yeah, even if it's just something small, you know, it's, it's useful to have. 
Yeah. Is it necessary? Maybe not, but yeah. you know, it doesn't hurt to have it there, right? Uh, absolutely. And it's also aesthetic. Like you have eight mm -hmm. fucking strings. That's yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't go backwards, you know. I was talking to um <laughs> to uh Dean Lamb from Artspire. Yeah. I don't know if you know him. I know, shout out. But yeah, he's a great guy, local as well. Um, but yeah, he obviously plays an eight string and I I've talked with him about this before and he's also kind of like He's like, I kind of want to get a nine string just for the shock factor, but he's like, I already think F is like almost too low or yep. whatever, right? But he's like, but I can't go back to seven now because like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's this weird, maybe it's just a stupid musician thing where you're just yeah. like, your ego is like, well, now I have this, so I can't I need do more. less or I don't know. Yeah. You always want more, right? Yeah. That's cool, man. All right. That's been awesome. I mean, you've touched on a lot of... Um, this evolution of the instruments that you use was very much motivated by bands that you enjoyed back then and wanting mm -hmm. to to play their songs. And yeah. now that that's evolved to just you being your own content creator and creating your own music, I still wonder, and I always like to talk with this with every guest, what is the music that recently and this last year has really been driven you, driving you to, to go forward and that you really enjoy listening? Um, yeah, so the two that immediately come to mind, uh, from this year were, uh, Humanity's Last Breath. Mm -hmm. Um, their new album is fucking awesome. Yes. And I've listened to them for, for quite a while as well, but I feel like their newest album is like, like they've reached their sound. If, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. You know, they had like elements in their first two things that I was like, yeah, this is really sick. But now they've kind of got to the point where I'm like, yeah, this is like, I can tell this is what he wanted to sound like all along. You know what I mean? Uh, cool. Buster, is, Buster is who yeah. I'm referring to in that case. Um, so that's one huge one. Big, big influence for Carcosa, for all three of us that write for Carcosa, for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, number two is definitely Brand of Sacrifice. They are in more ways than one. Um Obviously, their music is amazing, uh, and their new album is super awesome, but they also really, really helped inspire us with the whole, like, Galactic Pegasus to Carcosa transition. Mm. A lot of people don't know this, but Brand of Sacrifice used to be a band called The After Image, oh. and they did the exact same thing we did, and we got our inspiration from them Great. because they, they used to be, like, a metalcore slash gent band. And they also kind of felt the same way as we did, where they're like, this isn't really going anywhere, but they all got along and they all, you know, still liked each other or whatever. So they're like, why don't we just keep the same members and just start again? So they did that for Brian of Sacrifice. Um, and that was like a big inspiration for us to finally kind of take, take more seriously the idea of doing the switch and stuff like that. Um, and obviously they're ironically the, the brand of Brand of Sacrifice or their branding rather is is also just a really on point and that helped me kind of really focus on the branding and marketing side of Carcosa because I do a lot of that stuff like yeah. we were talking about green for me but everything yellow. with Carcosa is yellow right so um you know stuff like that um and also our friends in Spearbox as well I know you're a big fan of Spearbox very much uh, is there a new uh, song out new... by the way what time is it it's today oh, yeah it might be for you 
I forgot uh, you're in a different time zone. I've already heard it because I'm friends oh, with them. Oh, because you're that. in. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out. Um, it's really Bucks. good. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love those guys. Yeah. Um, obviously, their music, not so much influential to us because, like, they're a way different genre. Mm-hmm. But I just love their music anyways. Like, even if I don't take inspiration from their music for what I write, yeah. I love it. I listen to it all the time. And again, their local marketing and branding is just so fucking good. Like, so good. God tier. Yeah. Um, and I take a lot of influence from that, even if I don't take influence from their music. Um, yeah. And those are the three that immediately come to mind for things that are currently influential to me, I would say. Oh, man. I'm yeah. sure there's more. But oh, yeah. Also, one more real quick is Loathe, obviously. Oh, um, Okay. Yeah. yeah 2020 so was like, the year of loathe mm. yeah dude i i don't know if you use spotify but you know the spotify wrapped thing that you get at the end of the year mm-hmm. yours was so all shit. i let it in probably <laughs> exactly it was literally every song from that and then like one random song from like i don't know dealer or something like that yeah but it was pretty funny <laughs> i see cool man i think that's a great list and that people are able to to match that list with with how you're promoting yourself and how you're um how you sound because at the end of the day we are a sum of our influences that definitely that's always how it goes even if people want to claim they're all original we are what what we consume all the time Mm -hmm. yeah and again like just to really quickly touch back on what we were talking at the beginning right like the original reason i started making videos was to learn other people's music and how do you think i wrote what my original songs like obviously i was like okay i learned this north lane song this volume song and this Whitechapel song and i was like wouldn't it be cool if those three bands were one band and like that's what i did that's how i come up with my ideas and that's always what i've done is i'm like i love this part of this band this band and this band what if i combined them to make something original and that's how i've always approached songwriting yeah man I think that's a great approach and it's good that you circled back. I think it's a great place to end the episode. Oh, Thank you so much for coming on. And um, where can people find you? Where do you want people to find you right now? Is it TikTok? <laughs> oh man, I don't even know anymore. It's changed my whole world. Exactly. Um, yeah, if you search Andrew Baina on pretty much anywhere, anywhere. I'm probably there. Um, if you want something that's not as meme and more of a serious thing, if you like Deathcore, my band Carcosa, you can also find us pretty much everywhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we should hopefully be having new music sometimes. I don't know. New music soonish. Demon <laughs> by your bed saying new music soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like. Yeah, I don't want to say it too heavily just to not fuck ourselves over. But hopefully soon. That's all. Of I can course, say. man. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, man.